0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, Slamat pagi Malaysia. This is Monday, 20th of June, and it's just gone past 6 a.m. You're listening to Morning Run. I'm Wong Shanning, together with Shazana Mokhtar, and we're going to keep you company till 10 a.m.
1: Hello, hello. How are you, Shanning, after the weekend? I hope you had a restful rest. Not really, but I had an
0: interesting (laughs) weekend for those who turned up for our Health and Living event at Bangsa Nexus South. Thank you very much for coming in. Uh, It was a good start to this post-pandemic world where as we transition to endemicity and we have live events again, and it was good to see the crowd. It was interesting speakers, I think uh, people really wanted to know about the impact of long COVID, for example, mental health, uh, healthcare costs—all very relevant topics. So we'll be having more and more events throughout the year. Do tune in, do find out about them, and do turn up. We would love to see you. The next event, I'll be there. Come and say hi. <laughs> for some of you who wonder what I look like, I'm this short lady who's only five feet one or barely five feet one. So do turn up. But today is World Refugee Day, right? Isn't it, Shazana? And I think it's an important day. It's designated by United Nations to honor refugees around the globe. So we're going to have some interesting
1: stories at 7.15, starting with them. That's right. We're going to be speaking to child rights activist Dr. Hartini Zainuddin on where Malaysia falls short in protecting refugee children because we do. We fall short. That is the fact. So we're going to discuss policy reforms needed to safeguard the rights of refugees in Malaysia and also hear some of her experiences in helping out with this uh, beleaguered, besieged community. Now at seven thirty, we're going to be looking
0: at the world economy. As we know, the Fed raised the uh, Fed fund rate by seventy five basis points, and also they weren't the only ones. Other central banks also did so. So, what is the impact to the global economy? Is there going to be a recession or worse, a stagflation? We're going to be speaking to Swan Tekkin of UOB for his prognosis. And then at seven forty-five,
1: we're going to be asking the pertinent question about public transport. Are That's you frustrated? Right. That's right. And can free fares incentivize public transport use? So. We're going to speak to transport policy analyst Azif Azuddin for his reactions to the government's rapid KL freebie announcement last week. The government has said that uh, they're going to be giving free rides on public transport in KL for one month. Yeah, tell us what you think, actually. You can tweet us at BFM Radio, or you can WhatsApp
0: us 18 and tell us about your public transport experiences. I really want to know. Or maybe you can even tweet us and tell us about your, if you attended Health and Living, what you enjoyed about it. Uh, but we're heading into some messages and to take us there is this song, Tequila Sunrise by Eagles. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, welcome back. You're listening to The Morning Run with Shazana and I'm Wong Shaoning, 609, Monday the 20th of June and that was Katamaran by Ala Las. A good way to
1: start a Monday morning, I think. Very chill, very relaxed, very groovy as we begin the next working week.
0: Yeah, I wonder whether we should have played a faster beat song because it is Monday. coming
1: up. Don't worry, don't worry. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. And to help us get started, is this
0: story about toys and I chose it. It's actually from Bloomberg and it's entitled Adults Who Love Toys. The toy industry loves them too and I was like kind of attracted to this story because I I thought about it and in many ways uh, we're all still growing up right. We never really stop growing up but there's a part of us which I always think should remain very childlike or at least in terms of what our, our hobbies are, or in terms of what appeals to us. And why don't we give in to it a little bit? Why do we have to
1: grow up and give a, put aside some of these things that sparked us joy when we were younger? Do you remember that Toys R Us jingle? I mean, I remember, I can remember it so vividly. The tagline goes, I don't want to grow up. I want to be a Toys R Us kid. So Forever and <laughs> ever, right? It's like, you know, giving that image of how fun toys are and you want to stay a kid because you want to play with toys. But hey, guess what? Adults can play with toys too, and I think we saw this uh, boom in adult shoppers buying kids' toys during the pandemic, especially. I think that's what the Bloomberg article is pointing out that uh, as much as thirty seven percent of sales, uh, the sales surge was attributed to adult shoppers. That's about twenty nine billion U.S. dollars in twenty twenty one. That's a pretty huge market. Mm. Um, they did a survey of adults, uh, and fifty eight percent of respondents said that the toys they bought were for them not their children so it's not just parents buying uh, toys for their kids it's adults buying toys which they maybe just maybe just didn't have an opportunity to play when they were younger, and uh, I didn't been, have the money. Didn't have the money. I think that is important, or that's part of it. Mm. I've been wondering about the psychology of things. Yeah, yeah. When you're younger and you really wanted that Barbie dream house, you didn't manage to get it. But later on, you're a 37 year old and you have the you know income to spend on. Are this. you manifesting your wishes <laughs> now, Shazana? Is this your dream? Are you telling us something deep, deep inside? Who doesn't want a Barbie <laughs>
0: dream house, shouting? Not. But mean yes. but yeah, okay. Maybe not Barbie Dream House. <laughs> I have other like things on my wish list, but Barbie doesn't. Yeah, I like Barbie dolls, but not the Dream House. Maybe I just want the can, but never mind. <laughs> but there's this really cute term in the
1: article. It's called outs Is that the right way to pronounce it? I guess a, ki- a portmanteau of kids and adults. outs
0: yeah. And you know why I think this article is fascinating is because you know, maybe there's less stigma in terms of adults collecting stuff nowadays. You know, we're supposed to grow up, right? We're supposed to put away all our childlike behaviour. But hey, why why is that so? Why can't we stop collecting the things that made us happy when we were young just because we've grown up? And if anything, you know, we now have the disposable income and the and the right to make these decisions for ourselves. So I wonder whether it is, it is due to the fact that we were deprived... Okay, I'm talking about myself, right? That we, we were deprived, maybe deny is too strong a word. I mean, there were, of course, limitations in terms of what our parents can spend on us and also we shouldn't be just too spoiled, right? So now we're getting to have this Act Part 2 of childhood and I think to myself, why not? So what are the things that spark me joy in terms of toys? And we talked about this before the break. I'm not really into toys, toys per se, like Lego, but I have this huge fascination for Mr. Man character and that's because I grew up reading the books. And if I find anything Mr. Man, I will buy it. Okay, and don't laugh because you have seen my little collection on the table. Your water bottle, your mug. Yeah, I love those things, and I tell myself those things bring me joy. So why not? So adults, of course, I, I've I've heard now you can buy like Lego sets just made for adults, and of course a lot of cartoon comic book characters. There are shops just appealing to them, whether it's in One U M Court
1: Mall. So I think there is
0: big business. It's business after all.
1: It is, and this is what we see uh, manufacturers really getting into. Uh, I think the article cites some examples, like uh, Lego, for example. They have a Starry Night painting or a Ferrari Daytona sports car. I mean, wow. these are all things that uh, cultural references that uh, adults of a particular vintage will will recognize or will appreciate. Yeah, and I I agree. There's there's um I think there's a scooter company that plans to relaunch a, an iconic kids scooter for adults, they're charging 10 times more for the adult version than for the kid version. So for those who are able to capitalize on this trend, I really think it's a way that they can make more money because adults have more money, essentially. For sure. And maybe
0: COVID-19 has taught us that hey, um, time passes so why not kind of give in to your inner child voice and have that little scooter that you've always
1: dreamed about, your Barbie house that you've wanted, Shazana? Can I can I just uh, put in a crest for Mattel? A Barbie house. That would be great. Thanks. (laughs) I would love to see that. Yes. Tell
0: us about your dream toy list as an adult that you want to, that you're thinking of collecting. Uh, Let us know. You can tweet us at BFM Radio or WhatsApp us in at 8899. But we're heading into some messages. And to take us there is Aeroplane by Red Hot Chili Peppers, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9620 in the morning, Monday the 20th of June and of course you're listening to The Morning Run and that was Aeroplane by Red Hot Chili Peppers which I think some of us have already started to take uh, in our bid to get to our holidays aeroplane I mean oh. not the chilli <laughs> I was thinking
1: like red <laughs> hot chilli peppers what are you having for breakfast Nasi lemar, obviously. with extra
0: spicy sambal chan. no no it's the plane I'm asking whether people <laughs> are taking not so much the chilli uh, but this morning we've got an interesting story Shazana, you chose
1: this right I and, did uh, tell us why why it resonated with you well I mean this is a story that's being reported in the local online news portals yeah, and it's regarding comments made by Padang Rengas MP Datuk Nazri Aziz so he made a rather curious suggestion suggestion in an interview with Sinar Daily recently. So he said that the annual floods in the country could be an opportunity to promote volunteer tourism to foreign tourists. So he gave the example of the annual floods in Kuala Krai, Klantan, and mm-hmm. he described it as a flood festival. You know, so why not bring these foreign tourists in so that they can help? You know, clean up the area, rebuild the houses that have been lost in the floods, perhaps. Um, so he's really thinking of it as um, helping to make money from this activity, I suppose. So, needless to say, this uh, this suggestion was not very well received by many people. Uh, we've got uh, remarks by the Qatari state assembly person, Young Shafura Othman, who really questioned Nazri Aziz for his lack of empathy and sensitivity. Because it does seem quite incongruous that you're making other people's misery the source of income mm. uh, for the state, which is, it sounds really odd. And more MP Sadiq also said that instead of presenting the floods as a source of tourism, well, maybe the government should really be focusing on how to stop floods in the first place. Uh, So volunteerism, I mean, I personally have, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I I just don't, I'm not sure that I can... Uh, put those two together. Yeah. Tourism being that uh, tourism being linked to leisure activity, to relaxation, to enjoyment, and then volunteering, even if it is for a good cause, it just to me it sounds really It doesn't gel, right? Okay, so let's break it down. What
0: um, uh, the MP has just said. Firstly, I don't think it's a festival. No flood is a festival, guys, because it's actually. Uh, Act of nature, probably brought on by climate change. We're not helping ourselves. Uh, People suffer as a result of the floods. They lose their livelihoods. Many of them lose contents in their home. It's it's very disruptive. Some people you know get sick because of the waterborne diseases so it's not a pleasant thing let's let's say what it is. say it as it is
1: the fact that people maybe face these challenges with fortitude perhaps they do it with a lot of resilience and you know good natured that is definitely separate from yes. it being a festival it's not a festival okay so it's not a joyous occasion
0: at all. Even if, like you say, people are, have got take it with in their stride and they overcome this year in year out, it's not a joyous occasion. But at this, at, and I'm at the same time, I'm not saying that people shouldn't volunteer. Of I course. think volunteerism has a great role to play in society. After all, these last two years, what's the tagline that we have really learned is kita jaga kita. We are very good at, Malaysians are very good at organising ourselves. In terms of society, getting out there to help people in need, providing what they need in terms of whether it's dry provisions, uh, helping clean up the mess after a flood. Look at the Klang floods. I think that's a classic example of civil society actually getting together. So there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not a holiday, whether for locals or for foreigners.
1: Yeah, that was another thing that really got to be the fact that you're asking foreigners to come in and do good. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like that's, number one, it's really condescending actually that is it only the foreigners who can come and help and do good? No, I feel like volunteering should be something that's ingrained in our community as is. And there's so much that we could do to really Push the volunteer movement forward, Hmm. um, making it easier for people to volunteer, uh, putting out all the opportunities in a way that's accessible for everyone. Um, There's so much that that we can do as Malaysians rather than asking for help from other people. Okay, so
0: let's say the government wants to help. Okay, help. You know what they can do? Maybe they can create a system by which we as Malaysians know where are the places that need volunteers what do they need specifically at those locations what are the skill sets required so that people can actually you know participate look into this website and say okay i have three hours every weekend i want to help out in a particular way maybe it's to give tuition at a community center help out in the local library for example maybe work in a soup kitchen that's how I think government, if, if you want to talk about making Malaysians more, uh, Malaysians more aware of what is needed in society, I think that's something the government can do. A coordinating because, role, yeah. yeah because they have the big picture. Exactly. I mean, at the moment, it's civil society doing that a lot. Absolutely. Not so much the government. Uh, but let us know what you think. Um, does this comment? by the MP, uh, Nazri, leave a bit of a a bitter taste in your mouth. Let us know. You can WhatsApp in or you can tweet us at uh, BFM Radio or WhatsApp is 018-789-8899. Up next is the 6.30am News Bulletin. But to take us there is Someday by Sugar Ray. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, 6.39 in the morning, Monday the 20th of June and that was Saturday in the Park by Chicago. Unfortunately, we have to wait another what, five days for the Saturday? It's
1: only five days away. Saturday is going to be there. It's waiting for us, guys. We can make it. We can make it if you're feeling a bit of those Monday
0: blues. Uh, But as usual, at this time of the morning, we're looking at all the international headlines that have caught our eyes and I think We need to start with the French uh, elections.
1: That's right. So if we know back in April, um, Emmanuel Macron won re-election to become the French president. Uh, But everyone knew that he would be faced a major test in the parliamentary elections that uh, took place yesterday. So... Like the presidential elections, there were two rounds. Yesterday was the second round, and at this stage, um, Macron's coalition is set to lose the majority that they once held in parliament. So I think uh, before the elections took place, Macron's party um, Ensemble en Marche they had like about 300 seats. Bravo Um, for saying it properly. I really don't think I said it properly, but you know we try. We try. So uh, they had 300. They had more than 300 seats, but right now um, they're projected to win only about 235 to 240 seats, and this is. Actually, worse than what pollsters expected. So, um, there has been a lot of pushback to him, even though he did one with a very convincing majority back in April. Okay, so
0: the second largest group in parliament is uh, is on track. Uh, it's well, sorry, it's a leftist coalition led by Jean Luc Mélenchon. I think they're set to get one hundred forty nine to two hundred lawmakers, and this is according to pollsters. Then the centre right Republicans and their, their allies are set to get another sixty to eighty, and you need two hundred. 89 seats to be for an absolute majority so what does this then mean for macron
1: I mean I think it uh, will indicate he has um, a lot of headwinds in terms of wanting to pass policy mm. there will be policies that he's gonna find it difficult to push through given the very diverse uh, g- composition of Parliament and if you look at what the uh, left groups are left-wing groups are asking for they're asking for quite um, What they've asked is a lot of things that the government may not want to budge on. Um, The Left Green Alliance, for example, wants to lower the retirement age from 62 to 60. They want to increase minimum wages by up to 15% to €1,500 per month. They want the creation of a million jobs and a freeze on prices of basic essentials. These are all pretty, um, how to say... Expensive things which I don't know whether the French
0: have the budget for. Right? And I think Macron was actually trying to revise
1: uh, pension fon- pension law, pension rules at the moment in France. He wants to raise the retirement yeah. age to 65. So this is very much in contradiction to what the left-wing groups are asking for, which is a reduction to the age of 60. So he's got his work cut out for him. Yes, um, There's going to be, uh, whether he'll be able to make any progress is really uh, a question to watch. Okay, and then turning
0: our attention to Hong Kong, actually, uh, this happened over the weekend. So it's revealed the new cabinet. Now the financial secretary, Paul Chan, will stay on in his host. Uh, Incoming leader John Lee opts for stability. That's the message from Bloomberg. So I think not much changes in terms of the faces that we're going to see in cabinets as in they're all party loyalists. Now what Bloomberg has basically come out to say, what's interesting is that human rights lawyers apparently on the next list in terms of the government or in terms of who they want to target uh, for the national security law. So I don't know whether, you know, we'll be watching this closely. What, what is the intention and the purpose and the focus of this new cabinet.
1: I mean, the new chief executive is the person who implemented the national security law. Yes, He's exactly. the mastermind or the architect behind it. So there's no surprise that he would probably be looking to, um, I suppose, in strengthen its enforcement. Um, and uh, Hong Kong, a lot of human rights activists and have fled the city. Uh, I don't know what this means for the future of Hong Kong moving forward. Yeah, so this the headline in Bloomberg is Hong Kong rights lawyers our next target in
0: crackdown on dissent. Okay, turning our attention to another city, country, which which has been having an extremely tough time facing the highest rate of inflation in Asia at 30%, Sri Lanka. So this is out of uh, The Guardian. And apparently over the weekend, Sri Lankan troops opened fire to contain unrest over fuel shortages because basic government has declared two week school shutdown to conserve fuel. Things are really dire there. There's just basically no foreign reserves to pay for anything. And I was listening to this BBC podcast. Um, If you needed any medicine, you're unlikely to get it. If you need any gas, you're waiting at least 12 to 14 hours. Petrol is eight hours, if you can get it at all. And there are dire shortages to the point where things like cabbages and carrots are considered a luxury. So they've defaulted on 51 billion foreign debt. In April, IMF is flying in to talk talk about a possible bailout plan.
1: It's the situation where things are going to get a lot worse before they get a modicum better. Uh, I think there were uh, reports also that they've asked uh, civil servants to take the day, uh, take certain days of the week off, so that they can um re- or grow their that? own vegetables, growing their own vegetables, also reducing the use of energy in in public uh, facilities. Um, it, Sri Lanka is it's really sad to see how Sri Lanka the situation in Sri Lanka is at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean prior to COVID nineteen, it was one of my favorite holiday destinations. Beautiful island people are warm and friendly. It's a perfect place uh, in, in, in a way, right? in But look what's happened when there's a series of mismanagement and I think allegations of corruption. Staying in South Asia, right? Uh, Straits times very quickly monsoon floods kill 42 people, millions stranded in Bangladesh and India. And what shocked me is 25 people were killed by lightning or landslides in the weekend. You know, this. Not a festival. This is not a festival. Okay, it's a very sad occasion that happens for them annually. And they just seem to, you know, the intensity of these natural disasters due to global warming seems to get worse and worse with each year. Uh, But that's all we have for this moment. Um, We're going to head for some messages and then we'll come back and look at some of the local headlines. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. 6.50, you're listening to BFM 89.9. And of course, this is The Morning Run. I'm Wong Xiaoning, together with Shazana. It's, of course, Monday the 20th of June. And that song is dedicated to all these people who are rushing to work now because it's entitled Rat Race by The Specials. We are all rodents in that big wheel. Yeah, we keep moving and moving and moving and moving and moving. Uh, But we're looking at all the local headlines at this moment. And I think I'll start uh, with the star. And it's entitled... We which we referring to our transport minister, Datuk Sri We Kasyong. Okay, not like a royal Wee. No we no it's this is the we we tackle congestion Holistically, I think this is on the back of news that, you know, why do we have more cars than people in Malaysia? I think the the number of cars in, is something like 33.6 million, but our population size is 32 million. So, go figure. So, I think there were questions about, you know, why don't we just get rid of all the old cars on the road, reduce the number of cars, and then, hey, presto, we'll have much less congestion.
1: Uh, yeah, a bit simplistic of a uh, of suggestion or I feel like, again, when it comes to these issues, there are always so many different puzzle pieces to the big picture. Yeah, um, I guess getting rid of the older cars is one puzzle piece. But uh, if you get rid of older cars, but not improve public transport, for example, and give alternative ways for people to get around, that doesn't really help the situation either.
0: Yeah, exactly. So um, actually, this was on the back of a suggestion by a group of researchers from UKM that said that vehicles above 10 years old should be disposed to improve the traffic situation in the city. Now, this is an interesting fun fact. So we have 34 million registered cars, but only two-thirds of 22 million vehicles are active and paying for the road tax. So what are these extra cars? You know, Are they on the road? If they are, it's illegal, right? Because they're not actually paying any road tax. Uh, or are they just there because people like to keep Old cars for sentimental value. But it's true, I think we really do need to look at public transport, the congestion system, the congestion issue. I think we see pictures of it on social media, people complaining about traffic jams, taking one, two hours to get to work. Um, And later on at 745, we will be talking to Azuddin, who's a public transport policy analyst about, you know, just generally, what are the public transport pain points and whether free rides is a solution to that.
1: Right. Will free Will free rides uh, produce the stickiness that's needed from consumers to continue using public transport yes. when the free runs out?
0: Yes, because it was an experiment and it is still a current experiment in Germany. They are doing that at this moment. I think you pay nine euros and you can travel on the rail system uh, indefinitely and however far you want to go.
1: And I think free, you really need to think about it. It may be free for passengers, but uh, someone's gonna bear Tax that cost, and it's are paying gonna for be it. the government and taxpayers. Yeah, so, uh, you have to look at this at the situation from all angles. Um, if I'm looking over at my uh, bunch of papers, I've got the Malay papers in front of me. Utusan Malaysia is carrying a story uh, coming out of uh, Datuk Sri Ahmad Zaid Hamidi's trial. Um, latest news from the trial last week. Um, he, there was a surprise, uh, I guess, a surprise turn in um, events when a ledger that was used to accuse him of graft also implicated a slew of other politicians. So there are several other names uh, that have uh, that have been brought to light in terms of receiving money um, from one of the companies that was in testimony on Friday last week. So that's something that uh, is being explored, and people are asking why hasn't MACC investigated this? Why has it taken mm. the, the trial? For the details to come out in the trial, for it to be uh, given attention. Okay, and then I'm looking at the HCO uh, Mon. Uh, sorry, it's
0: Edge Weekly. Two articles caught my eye. First one is a news break, um, and NASA Communications looking to buy U Mobile assets. Okay, this is not a confirmed story, and uh, NASA Communications themselves said they are unable to comment. Similarly, U Mobile says unable to comment on your queries, uh, but it's. Interesting that The Edge wants to cover this, whether you know there's any truth to this story. I'm curious because the telco industry is going through some form of consolidation. We are seeing Exiata and DG emerging, although that exercise has been delayed. They've actually asked the regulators to give them more time to complete the deal. But the backdrop of all this is, of course, the 5G negotiations that are ongoing with the government to take That's a stake.
1: Right. I feel like there is a deadline looming at some point, right? 30th June is the deadline, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so has there been any progress in this front? Something that we're going to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, very quickly, I saw this headline and it uh, caught my eye because we were discussing the state of our prisons last week with mm. Gerald Joseph, former commissioner of Suhakam. He mentioned about some prisons that are over 100 years old that are seen as heritage. Seven with bucket systems. Exactly. Some that are seen as heritage uh buildings and they can't be done any construction on. Well, the government is planning to build a new prison in Kelantan, which is going to be the country's largest prison. And this is expected to be completed in 2027. Uh, hopefully, this prison will have plumbing um, and adequate facilities to uh, accommodate you know the right number of uh, prisoners in the building.
0: And while at the same time, we hope that there will be reform in the prison system in terms of the conditions of the prison and also in terms of sentencing. But that's all the local news we have for you at the moment. Up next is the 7am News Bulletin and to take you there is crazy on you by heart. Keep it here, BFM 89.9.